Today is Pentecost Sunday where we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Acts 2 until this day. I believe before this day is over, God's going to pour His Holy Spirit out in this room, in this house. And there's somebody that's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost that hasn't been filled ever. God's going to, God's paid the price for that to happen, and I believe that's going to happen today. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word? We're going to look in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Our first reading is from 1 Samuel 16. Our second reading will be from 2 Samuel 6. And at the end of the service during prayer, we're going to baptize Isabella. I'm so excited about that. Precious. I remember when she was born. I was at the hospital when that girl was born. Just, just phenomenal and just very excited for her. The faith of a child is just amazing. And so very. we don't baptize babies, but we baptize children. And uh, they, they have, the Lord talked about the faith of a child. So we will baptize a child. We believe that she has, she's fully aware of what she's about to get into, and we're excited for her. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Look, look at verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Look at verse 10 there. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen the uh, these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. That's, that's the way... My parents saw me, you know, I walked in the room, they're like, man, he's ruddy, bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Samuel took that horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Look at 2 Samuel 6, verses 14 through 23, someone there, I'll... I'll, I'll move around. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And, and that means he had, he had removed his kingly garment and, and, and kind of took his coat off. You know what I mean? Unloosed, took his tie off and started dancing with all of his might. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord, placed it in the tabernacle. He made all these offerings. When he had finished these offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. It says he, he gave everybody some bread, a piece of meat, a cake, some raisins. 
He depart, everybody departed. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said sarcastically, How glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. And of those man-made servants of whom you've spoken, by them I'll be held in honor. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Today I'm going to preach the second installment of a series I've entitled Mannequin or Windman. And today I am your hope dealer. I'm not your dope dealer. I'm your hope dealer. And I am trafficking in the most valuable soul food you can ever imagine. If you'll listen to what I'm saying, there is hope for the hopeless in this room today. And it's free and you can have all you want. God wants to lift somebody up in Jesus' name. Can you lift your hands to Him right now? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy. I pray that You'd help us to be that, that wind man, Father, that worshiper in spirit and in truth, God. Make the difference today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Neither David, neither David's father nor his wife understood the heart of David. I want to look at David today as he relates to Jesse, his father, and Michael, his wife. We'll start with Jesse. Jesse was a good man. He came from good people. Jesse was the son of Obed, the grandson of Boaz. Two of Israel's who's who were in his lineage as well. Moses' sister Miriam and Israel's first judge, Othniel. He also had some Spice Girls in his lineage, not the ones you're thinking of, Rahab and Ruth. But this was not a bad thing. They were powerful trophies of grace. Jesse came from good people. He had a good, godly heritage. And Jesse himself seemed to be a very good man, a godly man. As a matter of fact, the rabbis say, he was virtually sinless, one of only a hand few, uh, a handful uh, that they have deemed as such. He certainly raised a house full of good kids, kids who were willing to stand up and fight for what they believed in. I mean, even when they were facing Goliath, you could blame their lack of action on Saul, their king, who had lost his way. What I'm saying is this, Jesse seemed to be a great father. He did a lot of things right. However, somehow, someway, he misjudged his youngest son, David. You would think as the baby that David was favored. You know, he's the son of Jesse's old age. And maybe David would treat him, uh, maybe Jesse would treat David the way that Jacob treated Joseph. But it was not so. Somehow, someway, Jesse missed the greatness that was in David. He did not see the potential in David, the giftings, the fighting skills, 
the leadership qualities. Even though David was his own flesh and blood, whom he sired, who grew up in his own house, that he saw every day, Jesse grossly underestimated what was in David. When Samuel told Jesse he had come to anoint one of his sons to be the next king of Israel, Jesse did not even consider his youngest. He left him out in the field, tending the sheep and the goats. He didn't even send for him. When Samuel said king, the thought of David never crossed Jesse's mind. When he asked Jesse if he had any more sons, Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest. He's out in the field with the sheep. I mean, to his credit, Jesse remembered that he had another son. But we have no proof that he remembered his name at the, at the, at the moment. Because he didn't even mention his name. He's the youngest. He's out there, the boy, in the field with the sheep. And by all accounts, Jesse, I've tried to make the case, was a good man from good people but he had a blind spot when it came to David. And to the shock and amazement of Jesse and everybody else in the room that day, God had Samuel anoint this kid, David, to be the next king. God said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord is looking deeper than that. He's looking at the heart. God saw something in the heart of David. David had a heart that was after God's. The Bible says that. David was a man after God's own heart. And remarkably, even after Samuel anointed David, when a skirmish broke out and, and, and Goliath was in the valley and the Philistines were arrayed against Israel, Jesse sent all his boys except David. Maybe he thought David's too young, David's too scrawny, he's an amateur, he's not a professional. Again, Jesse totally underestimated David's abilities, David's faith, his fight, his skills, and his courage. I mean, David had killed lions and bears. And I don't know about you, but if I kill a lion or I kill a bear and I come to the house, everybody in the house is going to hear about it, right? Right? I'm going to be handing out bearskin rugs. I'm going to be handing out lion skins to hang on the wall. I mean, you know David shared that with his family, but nobody seemed to believe him or take him seriously. I bet you none of his brothers ever killed a lion or a bear. While his brothers were so busy looking strong, David was out there actually being strong. Even Jesse didn't comprehend what David had already accomplished, so he certainly didn't see what was coming down the road, what he could accomplish. Jesse was oblivious to the potential that was in David. And David, this is so cool, David could have become bitter. He could have had daddy issues. He was a musician. I, I relate. He was a musician. He could have written sad songs about how his dad didn't believe in him and held him back, and did him so wrong. But David didn't hold on to all that stuff. Rather, he set his sights on higher things. Rather than his earthly father, he focused on his heavenly father. David did not derive his value from Jesse's opinion. 
He got his value from Jehovah's opinion. Jesse saw David as just a shepherd of a few sheep and goats, an errand boy, not a fighter, just a, a runt and a grunt. But Jehovah saw David as a king. Jehovah saw David as royalty, a champion, a giant slayer, a man of honor, anointed, chosen, and faithful, and powerful. Amen? Listen to this, Psalm 139. David writes this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down. I mean, my dad doesn't know, but you know my sitting down and my rising up. Jesse, my father, doesn't understand, but you understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path. My dad doesn't, but you know my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light to me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, the darkness as the lights are, are as the light are alike both to you. For you formed my inward parts, David says. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. That my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He's speaking of being born. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written down. The day, listen to this, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they should be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I want to encourage somebody today. Maybe those around you have underestimated your worth and your value and what you bring to the table. Maybe somebody close to you has said, you're a nobody, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. God will never use you. I want to remind you, Jesse said the same thing about David and maybe maybe, maybe they've said those things about you, but Jesse was wrong and I'm telling you, they're wrong. God's got a plan for your life. God wants to use you. He knew you before you were born. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He is with you. And the hell that you have gone through, he has not left you on the other side. He is still with us. And he has thoughts towards you that are precious, more numerous than the sands of the sea. Come on, give him some praise for that. Can you do it? You're not too old. You're not too young. When nobody else believes in you, your heavenly Father does. You may have been underestimated, undervalued, but I know a God. I know a God who sees your heart. You may be a mess on the outside. David stunk on the outside. He wasn't all, he was good looking, but he must have been a mess out there with the sheep and goats. But I'm telling you, the Lord saw the heart. And God had an anointing. God sees your heart, and he's got an anointing for you. Say, God sees my heart, 
and he has an anointing for me. You can do everything he's called you to do. You can be everything he's called you to be. I don't care how long it's been since you heard the words of what he could do. And maybe you just traveled and went your way for years and years thinking he'll never use me. I want to tell you something. That call is is without repentance. It's still on your life. It's still on your heart. God sees it in there and he wants it activated in Jesus' name. Now, No wonder David worshipped the way he did. David didn't have to have other people's approval. He didn't have to have a position or a title to praise the Lord. When he was overlooked, he praised the Lord. When he was on the backside of that wilderness out there with those sheep, he wrote songs and praised the Lord. When he was underestimated by everybody, Nameless, forgotten, called a shepherd of sheep and goats, not believed when he had victories that nobody saw, he could still worship the Lord. His worship was not based on his current station in life. He didn't have to be a king on the outside to worship. His worship was not based on his current circumstances. His worship was based on the goodness, greatness, kindness, and mercy of God. David was focused on God. David loved God, believed in God right where he was every moment of every day as a shepherd boy. And then later when he became a king, he wasn't too big for his britches. He just kept on worshiping God because David was a wind man worshiper. And because of that, he went crazy. It wasn't his status. It wasn't what others thought of him. It was just what God thinks of me. It's just, Lord, you are worthy. Father, I'm looking to you for my strength. I'm looking to you for my help. I'm looking to you for my affirmation. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. They've all overlooked me. They've all underestimated what you are doing in my life. But God, I give you praise because I know something good's going to come out of this in the end, Lord. I worship you. His focus was on God. Now, it's not just mannequin. Oh, my. Now, I want you to notice something about him. You see what it says on that balloon? It says God. He was a windman worshiper. He was enthusiastic. I'm challenging y'all. You got to step out yourself. Some of you need to get outside this zone and get over here in this wacky zone in your praise and your worship. It'll set you free. It'll heal you up on the inside. The way you do it, though, is you can't worry about where you are right now or who's sitting next to you or what they think about you. You've got to put your attention on God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your thoughts towards me are good. I love you, Father. I bless you, Lord. I will bless your name at all times. Your praise will continually be in my mouth. And when you put some of that heart and soul from the heart, it will manifest itself on the outside in some crazy ways, but God will get the glory and the anointing will rest on you. When man worship. Now David's father didn't understand him, but his wife did not understand him either. Unfortunately for her, her name was Michael. Well, really it's 
Michael, but I don't, you know, it's Michael in English. It's, her name was Michael, and she was a mannequin worshiper. Now, this is a guy, this is not a girl, but, but he's got hair. You notice he's got hair today. He, he's got hair today. Put a little wig on him, right? He got a weave, right? So he's a, Michael was, she was a mannequin worshiper. She had been so blessed, y'all. She was a princess, daughter of a king. She had been so blessed. She had now married a king. She was so blessed, but she was unthankful. It was as if she thought she deserved her blessings. God owes me. People owe me. So she became Michael, the mannequin worshiper. She had a different focus. Let me show you what her focus was. She had a different focus. See that? Come on now. See that? Her focus was on self. It was all about her. David, it's all about God. David's a king. He takes his royal robes off. You know, he, he takes it. He's like, oh, I got to make some room. I got to worship the Lord because it's not about me. Yeah, I was a shepherd boy. He turned me into a king. But I was worshiping him out there in the middle of nowhere. And now that I got a crown on my head, I'm going to worship him over here. But I'm going to get comfortable. It was all about God, not about David. Michael, it was all about self. It's all about me. I'm really something. Now, she got this honest. She got it from Saul. Saul was all about self. He didn't care about the word of the Lord. He didn't care about anything God had to say. It was all about himself. Now, there was a time when Saul was small in his own eyes. The Bible says that. But he got lifted up in pride when he got the position. He got dignified. God help us, Lord. I just pray. Let me just say this right now. When, when we're out there living like the devil and we first come into the church, I mean, we, we're, we're wind man worshiper. May we not get sanctified and petrified where we just think we're all that now. I don't sin like I used to. I don't cheat like I used to. I don't steal like a, I'm a dignified man. I'm going to come to the house of God. Are you kidding me? I don't deserve anything but to go to hell like a bullet. But I got a gracious heavenly father who saw something in me it said, I'm going to move in that man's life and change him forever. So I still huck and buck a little bit in the presence of the Lord because he's been so good to me. You don't understand. You don't know like I know what God has done for me. Come on, give him some praise. Don't be Michael. Michael's all stuck on self. I was good this week. Or I was bad this week. It affects my worship, you know. I walk in pouty. Oh, it's been a bad week. I've been a bad boy. I have a good week. I can kind of do this. But see, mannequin can move around. I can move him, but his arms will fall off. Y'all saw that last time. You know, his arm fell off. and He's still creepy, y'all. I noticed this, the cleaning people locked my office. They never locked my office. They locked my office. I thought... Do they think he's trying to get out or are they just trying to keep themselves from going in? You know, like they locked my office, locked him in there. He's creepy, y'all. The, the prayer team came in this morning looking at him and they're, they're, everybody's still a little weirded out, you know. 
mannequin man. I told Russell, I need you to move mannequin man. He's like, man, he's so weird. I'm like, yeah, you, you got to try and have him at your house for a week or two. But mannequin man. So it's all about self. But mannequin can move. I have a good week. I can move. But still, my heart is full of self. It's all about me. I'm worshiping because I was good. Or I'm not worshiping because I was sad. I had a bad day. Rather than saying, my behavior has nothing to do with it. It's all about his behavior. I was bad. I was good. He was good. He's still good. He's always been good. He is good all the time. And all the time he is good. And so he is worthy of my praise. If I've been bad or good, it doesn't matter. He is good. His mercy is everlasting. Michael, she despised wind man worship. She was too sophisticated, too dignified, too smart to worship like wind man from the heart. She despised David's worship. I, I listened to a, a sermon for a little bit yesterday, a boring lecture on why we should not worship in undignified ways. I can only handle a little bit of it. This preacher man was so stuck on himself trying to justify his mannequin worship. I've been there. I understand that. I, 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 I just don't see any justification for that. The Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And there is no greater example of what that looks like than David. And David, even as a king, like the president of the... Wouldn't it be good to see Donald J. Trump have a meltdown and shout his hair down in the presence of the living God? Usually, you know, it's the Pentecostal women and we find hairpins on the, on the floor. You know what I'm saying? But Don, we might find, if Donald did that, we might find some hairpins on the floor. Or the whole, or the whole thing, right? Oh, his head came off. Oh, woo! It could happen. David just worshiped and worshiped. But I want to tell you a secret. I'm coming to a close. I, I hope you get what I'm saying. I'm not wanting to shame anybody. If you're stiff in your worship, I want to challenge you. And here's, here's the reason why. And again, I, I want to challenge you. Like, like we think we got to get good to worship. You don't have to get good to worship. We used to have the wild boys. They were selling drugs in my parking lot. Nobody do that anymore. Those were, that was not good. It was a bad thing. Trying to sell Wendy. Poor old Wendy. Single mom coming to church. and They're like, hey, girl, you know, hustling. I'm dealing hope. They're dealing dope. But at the same time, some of those same young men, honestly, genuinely, presence of God moving, and they're like, whew. You're worthy, Lord. They're praising the Lord. How can that happen? That's so hypocritical. That's one of the most overused words in church. You know, you need to let that go. Because you're a hypocrite, I'm a hypocrite, we're all a hypocrite. Unless you're perfect, and if you're perfect, please go find another church because we're going to ruin you quick. You're doomed. Your record is about to be messed up. But that word hypocrite is crazy. I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know what? You are a hypocrite. Embrace it. 
I'm not saying don't let the Lord change you and go from glory to glory, faith to faith, get sanctified. But listen, don't forget where you've come from. And when you mess up again and you thought you were over it, forget about it. When I fall, I shall arise. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to say thank you for your blood. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. I love you so much, Lord. I worship you. I'm telling you, that's a key to victory and to sustaining it is if you will worship the Lord in the good times and in the bad times, in the trials and tribulations, as well as the victories. David did that. He made so many mistakes, but he continued to worship. David worshiped with all of his might. And because of that, God gave David access to all of his might. That is, God's might. Do you want his might? Do you want access to his power? Do you need his might and power today? Let me tell you what you do. You give in to that spiritual hunger on the inside of you and you begin to worship the Lord in an extraordinary way for you. You biblically based, in a biblically based way, from your heart, lift your hands, clap your hands, sing unto the Lord, bow your knee before him, dance before the Lord. You, in, a, in an extraordinary way for you, give in to that spiritual hunger and begin, begin to give God the praise that he's looking for. You want the president to have a fit and a meltdown? Why don't you have a fit and a meltdown? What we need around here is some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost meltdowns. It would do some of you a world of good just to let your hair down and go crazy in the presence of the Lord like King David did. No matter what people have thought about you in the past or think about you right now, just worship the Lord. David was a man after God's own heart, meaning... David was a God seeker. And isn't it funny, in John 4, Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. David was after God's heart, and God was after David's heart. And it showed up on the outside in his wind man worship. I'm telling you, we have too many Michaels that come to church and just sit through it like their father Saul, dignified, too big for their britches. One time were humble, small in their own eyes, but now big shots. And, they, and they've transmitted, fathers have transmitted that generationally. Mothers have transmitted that generationally into their children. Michael inherited that spirit of pride and arrogance and entitlement in the presence of the Lord. But David, he was a man after God's own heart. No matter what his earthly father, how his earthly father let him down and whatever he transmitted, David had his heart on the Lord constantly. And he was always, and isn't it funny, the Lord was looking for him. And they found each other and amazing things. Do you want amazing things to take place in your life? Do you want the miraculous to take place in your life? Do you want to slay that Goliath and go after his brothers and be that unstoppable force that even a jealous king like Saul can't stop? Become a windman worshiper. Michael was offended by David's windman worship. If you're offended by windman worship, it's only a matter of time before you're offended with everything else God has to offer. You've already distanced yourself from his presence and from his blessings. 
Michael, because of her offense at this demonstrative from the heart worship of her husband, Michael was barren from that day forward and had no children. Michael was carnal. David was spiritual. And here's what spirit and truth, when man worship does for us. It keeps us humble. It purifies us of our pride. It cleanses us of carnality. It gets the stench of flesh out of our church and out of our lives. We are commanded to worship the Lord, but the carnal man is offended by it. Listen to this, catch 22. Are you with me? I'm almost done. Listen to this, catch 22. If we don't worship exuberantly, I believe we are unfaithful to the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, spirit and truth worship. And we are not giving the Father what he is seeking, what he is looking for. But if we do, as a church, gather together and worship like Windman, we have a tendency to drive away the carnal, even the lost carnal people that we are trying to reach. That's a catch-22. So what gives? Here's the answer. If we are mannequin worship, we will get only what the flesh can get in a church service. The hungry and the lost and the broken and the carnal will only get what flesh can deliver to them. We might get some good advice, some good counsel. You might as well watch the Food Network, you know what I'm saying? It's not really hitting the spirit man the way it should. But if we have wind man worship, here's what's going to happen. As we lift him up in praise and worship, that carnality, that sin, those problems, those issues are drawn to the surface, but that hunger on the inside of that person, as much as they may be offended carnally, the spiritual hunger on the inside resonates like an A on a tuning fork. You put it on your guitar and it resonates and you can tune your guitar from it. When, when that flow is happening and the presence is flowing and God is seeking and we're seeking and that flow is on, the carnal are offended by it, but the hunger overrides their carnality and their offense and they're able to get not what flesh can deliver, but what the spirit can deliver. What the spirit can, and so in it's, in what happens is chains are broken, addictions are broken, people are healed. Things happen in the supernatural that will not happen in the flesh. Would you stand with me right now? Him and God then got closer. Jesse underestimated David. You don't have what it take, what it takes. Michael belittled David. You're acting a fool. But David got his value from his heavenly father. You've known me. If I make my bed in hell, you're not leaving me. You're still with me. And David worshiped no matter what Michael had to say. As a matter of fact, he told her. It's going to get worse. 
David's worship was not predicated on what dad or his wife had to say about him, what they thought about him. Amen. Can you close your eyes right now? Father, I've tried to deliver this word that you put on my heart. Tried to be the hope dealer you called me, commissioned me to be today. To fulfill my assignment. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now to take these words, confirm them, convict, convince. Move on people's hearts, God. There are tremendous needs in this house. Needs that only you can meet, Father. And God, it's not a good lecture we need. It's a good dose of the Holy Ghost. It's a good moving of the Spirit. And you inhabit the praises of your people. And so here at the end of this service, God, I'm asking you to move and to draw and I am offering you my praise and my worship in the good times and in the bad times. In Jesus' name.